Let's get to it. See what Carlos has got today. Awesome. 20 yards out. On Halftime, the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fortiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Connor Payne, again, trying to tease his way past the fullback, and his speed has took him away from Jonathan Tool, and it's going to be a tap-in on the goal line from Bessart Barisha. Looks like he's going to tee it up this time. Oh, it's a training ground routine. It's beautifully worked. That is a terrific goal, and it is Matthew Delpierre who taps into an empty net. Now Connor Payne escapes again from his fullback. He's had a torrid time, and it's tapped in for a third goal by Bessart Barisha, who has a brace already. Do you think like... Absolute class. Pure quality from Guy Finkler. Derrier pushing forward from right fullback. Good overlapping and there's a chance for a tap-in. And Connor Payne has the goal that his performance deserves. Away races Connor Payne again. Lovely ball in. Oh, Barisha. That is wonderful finishing. And a beautiful setup as well by Connor Payne. Pretty solid performance last night by the mighty Melbourne victory in the FFA Cup. I'm sure Carlos wants to have a chat about that from Four Diego's at Four Diego's on Twitter, fourdiegos.com. And of course, as I mentioned, 11 o'clock tonight, every Wednesday night, the Four Diego's get back together. Carlos, good afternoon. How are you there, half? How are you going? All right, buddy. All right. Not as well as the victory last night. Yes, I know. Oh, look, it was one of those ones where we were hoping for a little bit more pluck from uh, <laughs> from uh, Tuggerong uh, United there in, in the ACT. But uh, they were starstruck last night, those boys. They couldn't put two passes together. There was I think they had two shots at goal to... Uh, and that was being kind because one was just a boot forward that the keeper ended up grabbing in his hands. <laughs> and it was, uh, you know, compared to uh, Victory's 18 or so. But the beautiful thing about Victory, they were so professional, so measured, but very respectful yes. of guys who were just... Uh, who, who just you know, they really, they, they were so nervous and so anxious about the whole thing and so starstruck that they were, they actually performed quite badly, uh, the ACT team. So Record crowd though. Yeah, fantastic. At the Tugger Park. Vikings Park, which is great, the, the name of the, the park too. So that's what it's all about. We, we kind of hope that, uh, you know, with the likes of uh, South Springvale and, and now Bentley Greens, our very own Bentley Greens, next week it'll probably be St Albans uh, Saints. Uh, I really implore them to have a crack. There's your one go. Yeah. Don't, don't get too nervous. Don't get, I mean, just have a crack. You've got nothing to lose. Joint killing performance is what we want. That's what we're after. Yeah, and unfortunately, it was just too too big of occasion for the for our Canberra friends last night. Uh, of course, being the Foxtel live beamed game, also uh, it just was all too much for them. And, and victory in, in the end was very measured. I mean, that, that Matthew Delpierre's goal, what a brilliant that goal was that was! Uh, and I think uh, the boys in Canberra are still completely bemused by that this morning. <laughs> you know, if they look at that uh, whole thing, but Bechard Barisha was just. You know, again, going through the motions, got a hat-trick last night. Connor Payne was taking on guys. Yeah, just taking on guys for fun last night. So it it was a good training run for the boys. But what I loved about victory, it was very respectful. For no time did they try and make it a circus. 
or uh, st- you know, started doing uh, the the stuff where they uh, were trying to take the mickey out of the opposition. They were really respectful the whole time, which was really good. Uh, it was an emphatic performance last night because the FFA Cup round of 16 of the first half of that was uh, played last night. Obviously, Melbourne Victory had a good night against Tuggeranong United in Canberra 6-0. The other results, you mentioned Bentley Greens, 2-1 over Sydney Olympic in Sydney. Fantastic result. The Greens are just... <laughs> Yeah. They're on fire. That's, uh, they've actually travelled away twice now, played on artificial pitches, and uh, and and won away from home each time. So they've been really good. Uh, you know, you got you actually got to be honest. Also, Sydney Olympic played their grand final, their their state grand final on Sunday. They had forty eight hours right. to recover. And these did are, they win the grand final? I, I can't remember. I can't. I don't know if they won the grand final, but they had, celebrations. Might yeah, they, they, they had forty eight hours, and these guys had to go to work too. So uh, they're all part timers. So to play, you know, two high te- intensity games where you've got to really focus and concentrate and do your best within forty eight hours is pretty tough. And and last night Bentley Greens was were too, much too good, even though they were missing a couple of great players of their own. So. Uh, you know, they're waiting for the big uh, draw next week uh, in the uh, quarterfinals, and uh, we'll see what they get. So 2-1 for them over Sydney Olympic. Central Coast defeated Olympic FC. Where are they from, Olympic FC? Uh, up uh, in Queensland. Queensland, 3-1. Yep. That was a smacking uh, form of the Mariners. <laughs> and Adelaide City at home defeated Brisbane Strikers 1-0. So there's the first half of the round of 16. They're all through to the quarters. Absolutely. They're, they're through now, and uh, we've got the second lot of the uh, round of uh, 30... Round of, uh, uh, this round next week, Palm Beach, Beach Sharks versus our very own uh, South Springvale are going up to uh, the Gold Coast to play that game. I'm not, I'm not sure where they're going to turn up to the game, actually. They're just going to go up to there. Yeah. And just hang out. Yeah, or, or not even come back. But Adelaide United got <laughs> Brisbane Raw, which is a big A-League matchup there. Sydney United 58 FC are up against Sydney FC. What a derby that is. And, of course, Sydney United, those NSL... Uh, you know, aficionados from from way back would know how good a side they were back in the 80s. Uh, they bred a lot of great soccerers coming through there. So they're up against Sydney FC. And, of course, our very own St. Albans Saints, Saints versus Perth Glory. So uh, I'm looking forward to that next so Tuesday. Next week. Next yeah, Tuesday next Tuesday, night. yeah. Uh, we've just been told from uh, SMS machine, their fantastic SMS machine, that they lost the grand final oh. in extra time, Sydney Olympics. So it's been a rough week. Yeah. Lost the grand final out of the FFA Cup. Yeah, it's going to be a very big weekend for those boys, I reckon. Yeah, but it's great. You know, they're on the they're on the scene again. I mean, the the, the thing is, uh, what what it's doing is giving these teams at the next rung, uh, and it could be not even in the NPL. I mean, you could be a, a lower league team like a South Springvale and get Austra- exposure Australia wide. And there's some great stories that come with it. So even last night with uh, Tuggerong United, we, we, we one of the kids uh, who was, who came on at half time. Um, has just got back from holidays apparently, and he's only been back a couple of days. But he's one of their better players, and and we talk about you know the the big centre forward, the target man with the heavy touch, and you know these stereotypical <laughs> things in the pub teams. Yeah. Well, what he brings to the table, he was a long throw specialist. Oh, was he? Yeah, so we've got a long throw specialist <laughs> in there too. I reckon I could do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> well, I, I've got to say, it takes something to have, be a be a long throw specialist. Does by it? the way, oh, you've got to have How some much? really powerful upper body stuff, and really it's not always, upper body. but not only. Not only the big guys can do it. This guy was only a shorty, but he could throw it a really long way. Well, it's just just the momentum. Yeah. It's just about getting the, the motion correct. You've been working out in the gym. You just get the cannons out. Yeah. Just launch it deep, Carlos. <laughs> I remember. I um, could be a specialist. I, I remember back in the 70s at Tottenham. And our, fan, our, our listeners will actually know the name of this guy at, uh, in England. And I, I remember seeing a White Hart Lane. I'm not sure. He, I don't think he was playing for Tottenham, but he was certainly playing for a team 
playing at White Hart Lane in the 70s, who used to, in those days, you were allowed to take a bit of a run-up, and this guy literally did a somersault as he was throwing the ball. So he yeah, could, yeah, I saw that. He could flick his body around. Now, I don't think he can do that these days, but uh, there's a name. It might have been Tommy Hutchinson from Coventry. Now, if our listeners out there would know, if you can Google it or if you might know, send through the name because oh, it was just a fair the, – the crowd used to get behind it all the time, especially if you're in certain parts of the ground. It was almost as good as a corner. In many cases, it was, and it led to goals too. I'm going to check that because I've seen somebody do that. In fact, can you score from a throw-in? Can you throw it into no, the – No, uh, actually, that's a good question. Any referees out there, I don't think you can. Uh, I don't believe you can, but uh, I could be wrong there. Right, well, it's been a while since I've seen one of those, but I'm pretty sure it was Tommy Hutchinson from from Coventry City. But there might be some other names out there that people might know of. Somebody will let us know off the SMS. Yeah. We'll check it out uh, through the break with the R and D department as well. We'll get to that break now. 18 past one. That's the FFA Cup news from overnight. A uh, huge performance for what these clubs, these local clubs, these Premier League clubs and Division clubs that are making the quarterfinal, semi-finals of this mm. FFA Cup. It must be a massive boost to their coffers, too, as well as their confidence. Well, 5,000 people there last night. Biggest crowd at Vikings Park ever. And uh, they loved every moment. Even though it was a bit of a procession there for Melbourne Victory, they just love watching the big players come to town. Yeah, it's a good competition. It's a great idea. We had Kevin Musket in here last week saying uh, the Melbourne Victory are playing to win it. And they're not just going to turn up and do their thing. They're going to play to win the FFA Cup. Silverware is very important at a club like the Victory. So no surprise to see them perform like they did last night. 19 past one, a break back with more Carlos after this. Beautiful Wednesday afternoon in Melbourne town. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us talking the beautiful game and we'll talk more about that very shortly. But uh, SMS is saying it was Ian Hutchinson with yes. that long throw specialist with Chelsea through the late 60s and mid-70s. It made sense because the big match in those days only broadcast, when we first got the big matches, they only did London clubs. That's why a lot of uh, the supporters here uh, back for West Ham, right. Arsenal and that, uh, and Tottenham because that's all we watched in, in black and white. All those years ago. In fact, his uh, page suggests that on his debut against Ipswich Town, he sent in a series of long throws which reached the opposite side of the penalty <laughs> area, confusing both the opposing defenders and the crowd. Yeah. And one of which an Ipswich defender inadvertently put into his own net. <laughs> yeah. There you go. So he's, they scored. It's amazing how they panic over that and they, uh, and they deal with corners a little bit better. So I'm not sure about what happens it's there. what you expect, yeah, I suppose, Carlos. I mentioned the beautiful game before, and I say that uh, you know, on purpose because David Gallup, the... CEO of Football Federation Australia has today penned an open letter to the fans with just 23 days until season 10 of the Hyundai A-League kicking off. It goes like this. Football is often referred to as the beautiful game. But what is beautiful? The dictionary will tell you it's something that's glamorous, fashionable, polished or pretty. Yet we believe there's another type of beautiful, a raw, more powerful kind. The kind that makes the hair stand up on the back of your neck, slides you to the edge of your seat and ensures your heart. you hear your heartbeat as much as feel it. It's the unorthodox, the unpredictable, the unparalleled levels of passion on the pitch, in the stands and in front of the TV at home. This is the beautiful that sets us apart, that makes us impossible to ignore. This is our, underlined, beautiful game. Welcome to Season 10 of the Hyundai A-League, the most unique, exhilarating league in the land. Our simple, skillful game captivates hearts and minds around the world. Be a part of it. I look forward to seeing you at the Hyundai A-League this season. David Gold, CEO, FFA. Yeah, yeah, I actually, yeah. On the back of that, I uh, me and a couple of Diego's and some uh, people in the media uh, last Thursday night attended a uh, an FFA function here, just giving us a bit of a, a you know background between uh, background of what 
they're going to what they're proposing as far as their marketing campaign this season. It's all revolves around the beautiful game and all that sort of stuff. I never understood this idea about the beautiful game. I mean, you know, what what's beautiful about soccer or football that's any different from any other sport? I I just love the contest. Basically, mm. it's what you love, really. Uh, I don't. I've never understood this whole thing about beautiful game. Well, what you love is beautiful. It, that's true. You always it, find beauty in that. Yeah, there I, you go. yeah I, I think what you love is what you love. It doesn't have to be beautiful. It's just it's what you love you. watching or whatever. But it, it may have stemmed this whole thing about the beautiful calling something the beautiful game. I think it stems from watching the the great Brazilian sides. Of the 50s, 60s, and 70s, and and you know a lot of people used to term that the way they played football as beautiful. But you know, for me, it's a, it, it's skillful. It's it's fantastic. It's a it's a contest. There's a lot of characters. It's colourful, and sometimes it's really really bad. You know, yep. uh, I just think all those things are important. Really, really but they're but they're actually building it on that sort of thing, which is great. And part of the and tomorrow, uh, I believe uh, David Gallup will be also. Uh, Presenting his State of the Union address, which yeah, is okay. uh, his his annual sort of uh, almost uh, vision for for that season for that year, and they're going to really be focusing on reunifying the top tier of, of football with the grassroots, which they're trying to do with this FFA Cup, and uh, and there's a number number of different other initiatives too. They're also looking at uh, how that links into player development because these days, as much as the A League clubs are getting more professional, there's more money being put in there. There's obviously with the TV rights covering the salary cap. Uh, there's more money there for these clubs to invest in player development, but they still don't go from you know under tens right through to the top level. Yeah. And so it's really left to the NPL clubs and the, and the clubs in the lower leagues to develop players. And uh, and so that they're really focusing on that. And the third thing they're focusing on is to make money. Instead, you know, I think the owners are sick and tired of losing money, so they're trying to try to make some money. What I'd like to ask people out there, especially a lot of our listeners out there who are in the part of the grassroots, you know, anywhere up until the NPL. Uh, uh, these words from David Gallup, just words, or is what the FFA Cup's doing in connecting these clubs in, in the lower leagues with the A-League and playing uh, uh, against each other? And I believe the winner of the NPL national competition, of which South Melbourne's competing in starting this weekend against yep. South Hobart, uh, I believe the winner of that will go, go directly into the round of 32 next year with the FFA Cup. Okay. So is that enough for you to say, yep, I'm going to go on board. I'm going to really accept that they really care about what's happening at the grassroots. Or uh, do you need promotion and relegation for them to really uh, make a statement that, yes, we want to connect with what's happening below the A-League with what's happening in the A-League? Do you know what I love about you, Carlos? You are in touch with what the people out there are thinking about. What about the, As you were saying that, this SMS came in from Eric. Um, hi guys, are the FFA using the cup competition to assess the difference in quality across our lower leagues with the possibility of implementing promotion and relegation from the A-League in the future? Yeah, look, I, I would think that we're, it's not so much the quality that we're talking about, it's just the resources. I don't think we've got the resources to be able to bridge that gap yet between what's happening in the NPL and what's happening in the A-League. The A-League, you'll see, already from what I've seen of Melbourne Victory and already what I've seen of Melbourne City, they are already 20 and 30% more professional, more better prepared, uh, the way they're playing football. Just the way they're going about it is just that notch up 
from what they did last season. Now, is that the same increase in in difference in, in improvement in the NPL? I don't believe so. Not because people don't have the will. It's because the resource isn't there, mm. and and the, the professionalism there. The money's not there to pay this next rung of player to be a professional. So so they might be falling behind a bit further. But I'd, I'd love to list. I'd love you know our people out there who who dedicate their time either playing the lower leagues uh, are on the committees out there. Is this is what the FFA and David Galbus talking about? Is it just all talk, or you're really believing that this is now happening, where we're reunifying the game from uh, from the time before the A League uh, was implemented ten years ago, uh, where where all the NSL clubs were disaffected? They felt that you know we're no longer wanted, and they really went backwards and they started this new manufactured league. Yep. From that time, where so many people were disappointed with what happened there, are you feeling now? That the that you're being embraced, really embraced, not just in words, not just in you know we talk about the spin doctors, not telling, the, not getting the spin no doctors spin to tell. No, I'd love to hear our, uh, from our listeners out there. Well, give us a call nine forty nine eleven sixteen because you and I well know throughout the last couple of years, Carlos, from uh, the calls that we've taken, the issues we've we've tackled here on the show, that there's been a great feeling of disconnect between local soccer, local football, and either the, the FFV or the national body, the FFA, and whether or not they actually gave a rat's fat clacker mm. about local league football. Yep. And I, I would suggest that the sentiment we've got early off the SMS, but I'd love to hear some from some people out there who are involved day-to-day in the, in the local game, uh, what, what, that has cha- what has changed about that since the last 12, 18 months? Because I reckon before that, it was nothing but hostility towards the governing bodies. Absolutely. And there seems to be a sentiment now from only what we can garner off the feedback we have, and you obviously are deeper in the world than I am, um, that there is a much more unified outlook and vision, I suppose, for the game from the grassroots right through to the the, uh, A-League standard or the FFE standard. Well, I think the, the the whole NPL concept is a good concept. That could well be the the new second division in in ten fifteen years time. Uh, and uh, if you have teams that are really well backed at that time and have managed to keep pace with what the A legs are doing, that they'd be really viable options for promotion relegation. And I think you know we watch promotion relegation in the EPL and the, all the big leagues around the world, and it absolutely gives you interest right to the end. I mean, the only teams that don't uh, that you're not interested in are the ones that are in the middle of the league. Do that they can't either go up or down. But generally, you're playing for your UEFA Cup spots, or you're going to the relegation zone, or yep. there's some interest all the way. And some of the football towards the end of the season, where teams are scrapping against relegation, some of that football is just more compelling than what's happening at the top of the ladder. So I would love to see that one day, but I can't see it for 15 or 20 years mm. personally. Jim's in Yarraville. He's on the open line nine four two nine eleven sixteen. Good day, Jim. G'day, mate. How are you? I'm oh, terrific, thanks. That's good to hear. Now, look, I've had a long involvement with the game at the administration level. I've served at the um, uh, board of management level and all that sort of stuff, the club level and all that. But uh, the game is run a pool and has been for years. A lot of changes have to occur from club level. The, the clubs to be forced to attract better people, to appoint better people at committee level. At the moment, what's happening is... Uh, Collect your beer drinking mates, uh, vote yourself in. It becomes a profitable little business there to, um, you know, buy up your pockets when you can. And then these people ultimately elect the people at VSF or FFV as it is these days. And the game is struggling because of that reason. Good people 
are not attracted because of these reasons. These things have to be addressed. No, no, Mr. Yallop, no, Mr. Gallop, none of us are going to fix them. We need to fix them ourselves at, at grassroots level. Now, Jim, uh, were, were you sort of connected to any, either as a supporter or an administrator, to the, any of the old uh, NSL clubs? Uh, as a supporter and a sponsor, absolutely. I've been involved uh, in, uh, at many different levels, but uh, that hasn't changed. It is appalling the way it's been on for years, and there's still a struggle there. They will not go away. They will not give it up. It's too profitable. Now, I suppose the question we're asking people out there is, are you feeling... As a person who is working at the grassroots or involved in the grassroots of the player, coach, administrator, uh, and, uh, and also were a little bit disaffected about what happened with the split 10 years ago with the A-League being introduced and the likes of South Melbourne, Melbourne Knights condemned to the lower leagues, uh, are you feeling that the FFA is sincere in what they're saying as far as reunifying the game in, in, a, game, in a way that's meaningful for, for teams outside the A-League? Thank you very much. Love the word sincere. Sincere and FFV don't go together. Okay. Okay, well, it seems to be um, a vote for the not-quite-yet-Carlos <laughs> category. Yeah, I'm not sure whether Jim was actually talking about the FFV or the FFA, but uh, he well, seemed to... I think to... he was talking FFV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah just that lower <laughs> rung, just that rung below the FFA. I think Jim, um, not overly wrapped with the way the system is just at the minute. That probably goes to another debate. Mm. Uh, topic about how you clean that up. That's, I think, for another day, that one, Jim. Carlos Alberto Diego is with us. Don't forget, from 11pm tonight, the team is back together, the four Diegos all together every Wednesday from 11pm until midnight on Melbourne's home of sport, 1116 SEN. So you get another crack at him. But we're talking about uh, the relationship between grassroots and the FFA and whether or not that's being united and unified, I suppose, Carlos, is probably the hot topic you've thrown out there today. Yeah. And uh, and uh, you know whether it's genuine. You feel that the F- what the FFA, what they're saying, what David Gallup's saying uh, is sincere, and you know, they really want to make uh, you know uh, make the grassroots and, and teams below the A League relevant. Or well, Richard in Geelong is on the line nine forty nine eleven sixteen. Good day, Rich. Good day, guys. How you going? Good, Good mate. Thanks for uh, taking my call. Long time listener, first time caller. Oh, bad hey. time. Good on you, mate. Um, I'm a, uh, a grassroots coach. I coach sort of mini-roos level. And what David Gallup said, at, in words, it does resonate with me. I, I have seen a big change uh, over the five years that I've been coaching. And, uh, and that's been good. The whole NPL concept's been, been excellent. Um, it's caused us a few dramas at our club. But uh, you know, it's provided my son with a, you know, a really good opportunity to develop him because he's gone into MPL and with with a coach behind him like Josip Skoko, yeah, mm. that's just fantastic. Uh, but from where I sit, the words, the, what David Gallup said, the, the words, I want to see actions. Um, and as yet, although it's improved, I really haven't seen a massive sort of change at my level. Uh, if anything, we've probably been hurt with the MPL concept with loss of players and the rest of it. But uh, to me, the biggest issue is really the cost of playing. Um, you know, a thousand bucks to play MPL, um, and I don't think it's actually promoting the best of the best. It's uh, the ones that can afford it more than anything uh, get through. Um, like we've got some absolute gun players at our pl- at our club, but the, the reality is they're not going to get the opportunity to to go to an MPL club for financial reasons and and also for um, uh, cultural reasons as well. Mm. Um, so they're the things that I'd like to see addressed. You know, getting the best players, getting and and the best coaches, 
the biggest problem I see watching my son play at NPL level, looking at my own uh, sort of uh, SSF mini ruse level, is the level of coaching and the standard of coaching is not great. Mm. Uh, and if we can throw some dollars, uh, and that's changing. I know we're all having to get uh, accredited these days, but it's really not sort of uh, uh, administered well and enforced and, and from, from where I sit. It's going to be a challenge though, Richard, isn't it? I mean, you, you bring up the fact that it costs a thousand bucks to play the NPL, which is a lot of money, and therefore you might exclude some of the real talent because they can't afford it. Then you want better coaching, which is going to cost more money. So it's a real balancing act for the FFA. And I, I suppose one of the points that Carlos was raising before about the three sort of uh, focuses the FFA have this year, one of those being to make money. Do you think that's to offset some of these issues at the local level, Carl? I, I think, I think in, the, in, the, in the first instance, it's all about showing the, you know, the investors in the game, the ones who own the clubs, uh, that, yeah, look, you've been, you've been throwing money into a black hole now for 10 years. We're going to show you some return on investment. I think that's the immediate thing because yep. that thing encourages them. It doesn't matter how wealthy you are. If you're just throwing away money, it comes to a point where you're going to walk away. Yep. So he needs to satisfy that first. But, uh, but certainly, you know, biggest complaint I get from parents, uh, from coaches uh, below the A-League is that uh, it costs so much to get trained up as a coach. Yep. It's really expensive to, to get your qualifications as a coach in Australia. And the other thing is, uh, is the, what it costs – to play the game, and uh, and because I, you know, I've done some work with the AFL, especially at the grassroots level, developing their their you know school programs and stuff like that. People always compare what kids pay for registration in uh, in football, soccer, yeah. in in the juniors, to what they pay for Auskick, for example. You got to remember, Auskick is really, really highly subsidised by the AFL, who have mega bucks with through, TV rights and well. absolutely, yeah, through NAB, and I mean they they completely their model's fantastic because they have a lot of resources a lot of money and they do it really really well mm. uh football doesn't have those resources so suddenly uh you know there's there's some kids and some parents out there who walk away from the game and they'll go and play another sport because it's too expensive I, and i hear that a bit too mm. even just you know kids, kids love soccer my, my little man loves playing soccer yeah but the parents that I talked to about the game, it cost you know, a couple of bucks, five hundred bucks for yeah. junior soccer or some little programs that they're going through. It's a lot of money. Yeah, two or three kids, and, and, you know, bucks for and these, in these days bucks. too, I mean, a lot of the girls in families, young girls, want to play soccer too. Yeah, because uh, it's not just uh, you know if you're an AFL family, you, you, the boys tend to play. Uh, you know, AFL I could be wrong. I'm sure we'll get well, women's, women's leagues are up and about. Yeah, no, it's true, and, they, and they're getting better and better all the time. I've seen some of the AFL the girls, girls they're pretty good. But uh, you know, the tradition is that you know the boys play yeah. AFL, the girls play netball. Yep. But in soccer families, uh, everyone plays football, soccer, and they all want to get the same gear, and they all want to you know you know play with the same club. So it becomes uh, it becomes a really really expensive exercise for a lot of parents. Richard, don't be a stranger. Give us a call back um, if you haven't if you've hung up. You're going to need to anyway. I'm going to give you a prize, but keep calling us. Good stuff. You've got a SEN prize pack coming your way, a family meal at either the Gateway Manhattan or Village Green Hotels, uh, a GSM golf voucher, around a golf for two players at Rosebud, St Andrews Beach, Morak or Amstel Park, double pass to Kappa Palooza. You'll love that. Grand final day at the Savoy Tavern, hosted by the Wiz Warwick Kappa. How good's that? <laughs> uh, $50 voucher to Legends and Heroes, 2014 Champions AFL Collect the Card album, a complimentary car pass to the Lunar Drive-In in Dandenong, and SEN's Inside Footy magazine. And don't forget to go to the SEN website for your chance to win $1,000 worth of Husqvarna gear. The Husqvarna Home Gardener package up for grabs. 
you need a mower or ride on, don't muck around. Go to the red shed. We'll get to a break, Carlos. 14 to 2, back shortly. Carlos, it's 10 to 2, and uh, tonight we've got West Indy Wanderers taking on FC Seoul in the Asian Champions League semi final first league in Korea. So that's uh, a challenge for them. But just while we're talking a bit of A League action, uh, big signing during the week mm. for Melbourne City, uh, Eric Partaloo, formerly of the Brisbane Roar. Was, where was he last year? Thailand. Uh, Thailand. Uh, Manthong United, I think. Oh, yes. Matong? Matong United? I can't really. I just called him MU. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and it wasn't a happy time for him, but he was uh, Eric Padler. We'll all remember him. He's like the, the fulcrum of uh, of that brilliant Brisbane Raw side under Ange Postacoglu. And some say they had Barisha, they had Broish, but some say he was the, one of the major reasons why they played such great football because of the way he used to start the attacks from deep in his own half. So uh, very, very talented footballer. And, jeez, uh, I heard the, a whisper that Newcastle Jets virtually had him signed. Right. So when Melbourne Heart or Melbourne City came out the other day and said they'd signed him, I think what a coup this is. That he's a great player, and they've been wanting that sort of player for a while because uh, you remember they had Vinnie Grella that came, yeah. and they're looking for that defensive type midfielder uh, that uh, that can really start their attacks from deep, because it's really hard to stop players who do that, and uh, they've got really the best one of the best exponents of that. That's an Australian guy uh, that's played in A League in, in the ten years. So uh, great pickup. Big result for that. Mm. Any further news on Josh Kennedy? What your big Josh is doing? Uh, look, I don't know de- definitively what's happening, but I, I heard, and I don't know where I heard it from, I, you know, it could have been anyone, uh, I heard that uh, when David Villa goes after yes. his 10-game stint, Josh Kennedy will just slot in nicely as, their, as the marquee to take it further. Two totally different players, yeah. but certainly would be uh, welcome because of his scoring rate even in Japan. The guy's uh, a legend in Japan with the amount of goals he scores, and it's not that he scores a lot in the air. You know, people think he's because he's a baby giraffe that everything he scores is with his head, but I he actually scores a lot of goals with his feet, and he's a very technical player. So different from David Villa, but uh, still would be a fantastic pickup for Melbourne City. Interesting um, uh, swap that would be, wouldn't it? Considering the discussion we had with Kevin Muscat last week about bringing your marquees and, and what mm. you want from them yeah. to play a role, be that link player, that key player in your role and your makeup and your formation, or is it more of a sort of just a good your best player possible and you just milk him for marketing? Yeah, well, look, if Josh Kennedy's no Del Piero, so I think he doesn't fall into that super, super marquee category, mm. but uh, he's certainly a player. If you service him well, will score goals for you, and that's what they need to do. Melbourne City needs to win games and win, you know, games in a row. Yep. They need to really be uh, the talking point of... A-League football this year to make sure that all the good stuff that's happened over the preseason, all these players that have come in, uh, that people really connect with them and they come to the games. Uh, I think of their latest figures are around about the eight and a half mark in membership, which is way above any level that they've had so far. Uh, but uh, they still need to get people through the gate, you know, the, the 10s to 12s to 15,000 people at the home games. Genuine supporters, not theatre-goers, yep. for them to uh, really build on what they've done so far. Tell me about this young Georgievsky fellow from the Melbourne Victory. Yeah, that was an interesting pick-up too. Uh, it's amazing Kevin Musket didn't say anything last week when he no, was in here with us. No, he gave us nothing. But uh, but he was did, he did uh, maybe, I don't know, it was a little bit of a, he, he sort of th- threw a bit of a, a curveball in that uh, we were saying, we're talking about Scotty Galloway, how much we loved him, and, yeah. and, and Jason Geary. Of course, they're the two young kids who have been at fullback, and, and even Kevin Musket said that he was, you know, I don't know if he said it on there, but he said it off air, how much he was really impressed with both those boys. And yeah. I'm thinking, okay, those guys will have 
will have those full back positions to themselves. But then again, uh, during the week after he's talked to us, he's signed Daniel Georgeski. He's a Macedonian international, 26-year-old, who plays either left or right full back. And that's all about, obviously, putting depth in that squad. And, and of course, you want it to get... It has been an issue, that, that back four. It has been, certainly. And, uh, and he can play at centre-half too. So, so suddenly this, this uh, very adaptable, versatile play. But he's a Macedonian international who played for Stau Bucharest uh, in Romania. Uh, and the Romanian league's nowhere near what it used to be. But he has played UEFA Champions League against the likes of Chelsea, Schalke, some really okay. good sides. So uh, the guy can play. And obviously, uh, to be invited to Melbourne Victory, uh, he's got some stuff going for him. All right. Well, we might talk Champions League after the break, Carlos. Bit of action this morning as a few further fixtures scheduled for tomorrow morning as well. Carlos Alberto Diego talking the world game on halftime. Carlos, tell me what happened to Champions League. Champions League. Liverpool fans uh, rejoice, even though you left it to the last minute. Stevie Gerrard penalty uh, against our Bulgarian, our plucky Bulgarians, Luda Gretz. (laughs) Never heard of them, but... Uh, but they plucky. Yeah, they plucky. But uh, Balotelli scored his first game for Liverpool in the 82nd minute. Last seven minutes was just f- fantastic. Balotelli scored in the 82nd minute. Uh, Abelo from Ludogretz, yes. the Bulgarian friends, uh, scored in the 91st minute. Good. And then Stevie Gerrard, with a plom, just slots in the penalty in the 93rd minute. Prolific. Uh, Arsenal fans, uh, they're in the dark room fetal position at the moment. They lost 2-0 Ooh. to uh, Dortmund. And the other one that's uh, really interesting, I think uh, Juventus, a 2-0 win over Malmo. Tevez got two goals there. And uh, the other one, uh, I think the other one's really important tomorrow is the Chelsea game. Chelsea and, uh, Schalke. Chelsea Schalke will be a really interesting game tomorrow. All right, we'll keep up to date with that through uh, tomorrow's news on halftime, and the news fix will be all over it as well. Mate, great to see you again. Looking forward to tonight's edition of the 40 Diego's. Thank you very much. 11 p.m. till midnight every Wednesday on 11.16 SEN. Carlos Alberto Diego with us every 1 o'clock on Wednesdays on halftime.